I believe we have 13 nations here. And so that's a pretty good cross section of NATO as a whole. And the one main thing I did when I first got here was just be quiet, listen, watch and see how everyone works because I know not everyone uses NCOs or the militaries are the same. So I don't want to step on any toes fresh out the gate. And so sitting back and listening, I learned that a lot of these guys are very experienced. They're very senior, very, very professional. And uh, being able to prove my worth and my value through other things other than being side by side with my lieutenant colonel, it proved beneficial. They saw what kind of work I was capable of doing. Welcome to AUSA's Army Matters podcast, focusing on what's important to the total Army community. We bring vital Army conversations and interviews on issues relevant to soldiers, military families, and all of you amazing Army supporters. Rotating each week, our show includes Soldier Today, Leading Great Teams, Family Voices, and Thought Leaders. Let's tune into the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Command Sergeant Major Retired Troy Welch, and welcome to today's episode of Army Matters. In 2019, NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, created a competition to recognize the commitment and contributions of its thousands of non-commissioned and junior officers. And today, I'm very honored to speak to this year's Soldier of the Year, Sergeant First Class Aaron M. Welch. And, you know, it's no coincidence that Aaron has the same last name as mine because he is my nephew. No, I didn't have anything to do with the selection. Quite frankly, I'm just as surprised as everybody else that he won. I'm just very proud. Of him. I'm all kidding aside. I'm very proud of Aaron, and I'm really excited to talk with him and listen to his experiences about this great award that uh, that he just received. So, in his 20 years of Army career, Aaron has been deployed five times to Iraq and Afghanistan and has served in various roles from a sniper to team leader to first sergeant. Aaron is joining us today from his deployment in Valencia, Spain. Well, from his vacation spot in Valencia, Spain. Aaron, welcome to Army Matters. And Aaron, before we really dig into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, where are you from? What made you decide to join the Army? First of all, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I am from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, a little place up in the Northwest. That's where I joined the Army from. I guess basically I joined the Army because of September 11th. I never had any aspirations of being in the Army, even though you were in and you're a good role model. I did not have any thoughts of joining. September 11th happened. I dropped everything, went back home and signed up as one of my recruiters, probably last contracts. My wife, Valen, is here with me in Spain, and we have three daughters together, Emir, Thea, and Freya is a newborn. And then I have a, an older daughter, 11. Her name is uh, Harley in Louisiana. That's my squad. You've got quite a squad there, buddy. Congratulations on the little one, too. She's a sweetheart. You know, over the years during my career, there were there were several people who uh, who really instilled some valuable lessons uh, for me, right? I learned a lot from good leaders, and I learned equally as much from bad leaders. Was there somebody that uh, over the past years that, that had a really an impact on you that uh, instilled some valuable lessons with you? 
Yeah. So of course, you know, I had my team leaders and squad leaders growing up in the army, but the one who probably stood out the most was my first platoon sergeant. I was his machine gunner and this was early on in the war. You know, I spent a lot of time with him on his 12 hour patrols, just kind of picking his brain and learning. And then also I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention you, Uncle Troy, your mentor through a lot of times, you know, you didn't even ever tell me to stay in the army. You just helped me talk through what kind of decisions I had to make in the future and make me think through it. And so, especially in my later years being a senior NCO, you really helped out. Well, thank you, Aaron. You didn't have to say that, but I appreciate that. You know, I'm always here for you, buddy. So I understand that there is a, a specific program called NEEDS, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it stands for NCO Empowerment Enabling Decisions. And that helped you lead to your current success. Can you tell our listeners what that is and exactly how it helped you out? Yeah, so basically the command senior enlisted leader is a Canadian warrant officer, Command Sergeant Major Kevin Mathers, and it's his program. And really what it is is his attempt to help empower all NATO allied NCOs in these different billets across all of the NRDCs and the different uh, assignments inside shape, because not every country has NCOs that work like ours do or work like the Canadians do. It's a program that really helps the other C cells empower their NCOs to help their officers make decisions and shape the battle. You know, I was in Korea, so we faced those same cultural challenges, right? Where they didn't, necessarily empower their non-commissioned officers the way that we do. When I say we, the U.S. military. Were there any specific initiatives that you believe that led you to receiving this distinguished award? I mean, what was it that made you stand out above your peers? So one of the differences with this award or this program for uh, recognizing the senior enlisted in NATO is that you don't know that you're going up for it. The nominations happen by your unit at the end of the year. No one knew that this thing existed here. And so at the end, they nominate and then they talk about the things that you've done over the past year. One of the initiatives that I really probably stood out with was mentoring and partnering with one of the senior NCOs inside the Spanish Special Operations School down in Albacete, Spain. And they have a long-standing sniper course, but it's internally run. And these guys notice that there's no continuity throughout all of the different organizations that they have snipers. And so they put together their own national competition They call it a competition, but really it's a a meeting of the minds. They bring every sniper from every organization together in one place every year. They share lessons learned and experience some new shooting techniques and different things on the range. They spend uh, two weeks out in the field. And so from this, me partnering with him, we were able to really kind of bounce ideas off each other. And it led to him getting a meeting with some senior generals in Madrid And they finally certified his school as the one official military recognized sniper course for all of Spain. And they've never had that. Uh, So now they're going to be able to consolidate lessons learned and 
mirror really what the U.S. Army and some other successful countries are doing with that program. And actually, I spoke with him today, and they're finalizing their new doctrine to fight the new breed of warfare, that, especially what we're seeing in uh, Ukraine right now. So, in a sense, your experience with uh, being a sniper yourself, you kind of helped formalize what they already had. So, that's awesome. Yeah, so I wouldn't say that I had so much to do with the work that they've been doing, but maybe my partnership and my mentorship with them uh, spurred them to go against the grain because it really wasn't an easy process for them. But leaning on my previous advisor experience with the first SFAB and then also my sniper experience, you know, they saw the merit in it and he, he didn't really have anything to lose. So he went and pitched it and they said, okay. It's something now that the soldiers over there in Spain and in the countries that they come there and want to get formal training and be a sniper, they have a place to go now. Did you know, as a member of AUSA, you have access to many benefits. From car rental to entertainment discounts, the opportunities are ample. Visit AUSA.org slash benefits to learn more. So you've been in Spain for, for about two years now. So what are the main takeaways you've learned from your time there so far? And what have you learned from the officers serving from other countries? So have you kind of developed any type of um, maybe new leadership skills or anything like that? Yeah. So coming in here, obviously, Spain is the framework nation. That's the basis of how our headquarters is set up. And then inside there, you have a multinational environment with NCOs and officers from, I believe we have 13 nations here. And so that's a pretty good cross-section of NATO as a whole. And the one main thing I did when I first got here was just be quiet, listen, watch, and see how everyone works. Because I know not everyone uses NCOs or the militaries are the same. So I don't want to step on any toes fresh out the gate. And so sitting back and listening, I learned that a lot of these guys are very experienced. They're very senior, very, very professional. And um, being able to prove my worth and my value through other things other than being side by side with my lieutenant colonel, it proved beneficial. They saw what kind of work I was capable of doing. And then slowly but surely, they became more open to uh, partnering with me and doing other things. And now... Now there's no difference. I think from my first few days to now, the way that the officers work with the NCOs is night and day difference. And it's starting to bleed into the other branches. Like I work in the G3 operations section and some of the other branches are starting to do the same thing. So it's been good. There's a lot of folks you can learn from. And that's a good thing. That just helps you develop and become a better non-commissioned officer yourself. Speaking of um, NATO... NATO has been in the news quite a bit since the Russian attack on Ukraine. Has this had any effect on uh, on the officer serving with you? I wouldn't say there's a big impact. I know everyone's uh, busy right now. You know, we are the Warfighting Corps headquarters that's uh, in the chute, so to say. We're the certified Warfighting Corps headquarters. So we're monitoring the situation very closely. We always have to be ready. So we we're listening and watching everything and analyzing what's going on. But as far as career impacts, et cetera, these billets here are filled by nations 
that have made a pledge to put certain people in certain uh, branches in the seats, but it does not impede their career. So, for example, my branch director, Portuguese Lieutenant Colonel, he's up for Colonel and he will leave regardless of what's going on in the world. He will leave here and go take a regiment probably the end of the year. So I wouldn't say too much of an impact career-wise. However, they are operating at a very high level. I mean, these are career officers, 20, 30 years in the military, and they're working at the core level and really preparing for war against anything. Hopefully that uh, it doesn't go beyond that. So what kind of advice would you give NCOs in your position, uh, even the younger NCOs, who for infantry folks, I know working in staff is like being banished to a broom closet. What you guys do over there is very important. What you do is as well. So what advice could you could you provide our listeners out there who may be thinking about doing what you're doing? Yeah, so, I mean, this is a really special assignment. I think this is probably the best place in the Army, the best kept secret. Uh, my advice would be, though, to make sure that you hit your key development time, um, follow your branch's career map to a T the best you can. I mean, there's a reason there's a career map, but a staff job like this falls in line with that at a certain point in your career. Once you're a, a squad leader, platoon sergeant, and you become an operations NCO. My job here is essentially an operations NCO, but at a core level, I'm learning so much here about uh, what information a three-star general needs to fight the deep fight and create the common operational picture for his situational awareness. There's an amazing amount of information I'm learning here, even though my day-to-day tasks may require me one day to change slides uh, for a briefing and the next day run from one tent to another three kilometers away to make sure that the uh, core commander's map is up to date because there was a technical glitch in the system, whatever it is. I mean, they're relying on you to be that Swiss Army knife. So this is a great assignment. I just happen to be in one of the nicest cities in Spain. So keep an eye out on the requisitions. Valencia is not just a uh, one of those ROTC jobs. Some of these obscure jobs are actually really great assignments, especially if you're looking for a staff NCO. So Aaron, um, I-, I know there's an award ceremony coming up. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that, when it is, for those who are interested, and maybe we could keep an eye out for it. And also, I hear you had a special visitor today. Somebody stopped by your camp and uh, paid you a visit. Can you tell us a little bit about both? Yeah, so keeping with OPSEC, obviously, uh, the event that has not happened yet, uh, it will be in London, um, but myself and my family have been invited to the the C3 conference. I think it's the something commander's conference for NATO or LANCOM. And that will be where the award is happening. That'll be sometime this summer. And so being able to pay my wife back for taking care of these kids while I'm at work and get to take her to London. Um, And yes, his majesty, the King of Spain came to our base in Betra and was visiting the headquarters and they made a special stop by my station Um, He congratulated me and thanked me for the additional work that I was doing with his soldiers down there in the special operations and uh, the parachute brigade and then the headquarters as well. And uh, that was a really good conversation. Got a photo op with him and my commander. So it was pretty neat. Awesome. Hobnobbing with the king. Look at you. 
<laughs> Good for you, Aaron. Good for you. Well, thank you, Aaron, for joining us on uh, Soldier Day podcast. I really appreciate you talking about your experiences in Spain and, and over your Army career. More importantly, congratulations on being NATO's Soldier of the Year. I couldn't be more proud of you. I hope you know that. Not just because me your uncle, but as a soldier for life, I should say. So congratulations to you, Valen, and the kids. Because that's, uh, as you said, that's your squad. And it's a team effort to, uh, to pull something like that off. So uh, kudos to you and the family. Yeah, thank you again for having me. It's uh, been a pleasure. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Matters podcast on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. The Army Matters podcast series is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission to educate, inform, and connect with the total Army our industry partners, and our supporters of a strong national defense. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Have a great Army Day. Hua.